Good morning, Pathway family. How are you? Well, this is my third time to get to preach. So my voice is a little rough with all these allergies, but I ask you not to give me any mercy. Preach with me. Preach me on, okay? Amen. It's good to be here. We don't get to be here as much anymore because we're so busy there in Dallas, so we always cherish the times. Don't we love our pastors here? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark, Pastor Marty. Wonderful leadership team. I brought my anointing oil with me this morning. Amen. I prayed over my my throat. So if you need prayer at any time, just let me know. I brought the oil this morning. I was asking God for some oil, and I had, um, and I even forgot to ask him. You ever ask God for something, and then you forget you ask him, and then he like gives it to you, and you're like, oh, yeah, I prayed about that. Makes you feel more spiritual. That's why I carry this, because it makes me feel spiritual. But I had a student bar- barge in my office, and he's from Virginia, and he, um, he's just radical. And he said, Dean G, that's what they called me, because my last name is God. He said, Dean G. I said, yeah, he said, God told me to anoint you with the oil. And I looked at my watch, and I said, well, I got to mean, how long is this going to take? Because you never know about Pentecostal people. They come in there and pour a whole thing on you. I may have to go home and take a shower before I go to the meeting. So he anoints me with oil, and I'm carrying this burden for my son. He's 13. How many knows about raising teenagers? Do you carry burdens for, like, is it the whole six years or seven years? Is, is, do you, for life? Okay, so, okay, so the burden doesn't go away. Okay. So he came in there and anointed me with oil and prayed over me, and the burden lifted, and man, it just felt amazing. And then he gave me the oil, and I was like, man, thank you, God. I remember praying about that now. You're amazing. So I had the oil yesterday, and I'm like, I'm going to take this a pathway with me. And um, I woke up, and all the family was sleeping, and I'm just walking through the house, just putting oil everywhere, all, all over the doorposts, the family sleeping. I'm rubbing oil on the boys. I'm rubbing oil on my wife, Jennifer, and then the dog's there, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to rub oil all over the dog, too. So I prayed over the dog. And then my wife wakes up, and she looks at me, and she says, what are you doing? I said, oh, just praying, rubbing oil all over, all over everything. And the dog's laying at the foot of the bed. And she said, what, well, did you pray for the dog? I said, yeah, Jennifer, I prayed for the dog. But I'm thinking, but what about our boys? <laughs> she was more concerned about me anointing the dog with oil instead of the boys with oil. But her very first next question was, hey, did you anoint the boys? Of course, I anointed the boys. If I anoint the dog, I anoint the boys, too. <laughs> Just saying, yeah. Let's pray. Father, we bless you this morning, (laughs) and we thank you that you're not dead, but you are a living, breathing, loving, powerful Father and Savior. We thank you this morning that we don't worship, that we don't preach, that we don't hear the word of the Lord like you're not in the room, but you are present with us at this very moment. You are bigger You are stronger and you are more powerful than any opposing force coming against us. Because greater are you inside of us than the world against us. We release your word today. We release the power of your word, the life of your word, the conviction of your word, and the sustaining power of your word. Holy Ghost, do what you do best. Breathe on your children and move 
And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Turn with me today in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, verse 17 through 22. Romans 4, 17 through 22. I'm going to talk to you today about faith. Amen. Say faith. I mean, it was a faith without works is dead. But faith with works is alive. Touch three people and tell them, you got to have old school faith. Come on, three people, you got to have old school faith. <laughs> tell them with conviction, preach to them, get that Pentecostal voice. You got to have old school faith. So if, if I could get God to put my name and my story anywhere in the Bible, I would re- I love for my story to be in Hebrews chapter 11. Like if you make it to Hebrews chapter 11, you're like, you're like the who of who, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're, you've, you've, you've arrived. It's like all these people of great faith that have gone great exploits. He goes on at the end of Hebrews chapter 11 and he makes this statement, the writer inspired by the spirit of God and says that the world was not even worthy to have people like this. What a beautiful statement. He starts off in verse one and he says, faith is a substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. Verse two says, That through their faith, the people of old earned a good reputation. Through their faith, the people of old earned a good reputation. I love the fact that it didn't say through their works, through their righteousness, that they earned a good reputation. But it said because of their belief in Jesus Christ, their belief in the promises of God. The belief that the word of God, they took it at face value and they said, you know what? I believe God over my circumstance. I believe God over the world. I believe God over the economy. I believe God over the news. I believe the promises of God and therefore they earned a good reputation. There was one thing that Jesus said that when I return, I hope that I find faith. He said, when I return to the earth, will I find my church in faith? A woman had a dream one night. And in this dream, there were seven ambulances. And she began to inspect all seven. She went to the first one with the lights flashing. And she looked in and there was a lifeless body laying on on the gurney. The attendant there, immediately she knew in her spirit that the attendant was an angel caring for the lifeless body. The lifeless body, the spirit of God spoke to her and said, that's the church that is struggling to keep the faith. She went to the second one to the same thing, the third, fourth, fifth, all the way down to the seven ambulance. All of them, the church lifeless laying on the gurney. And the angel, the attendant caring For the church. The angel in the first one. Steps out of the back of the ambulance. And shouts to all seven. I've got a heartbeat. I've got a heartbeat. 
Faith is rising. Faith is rising. Hope is rising. Hope is rising. The other angel said, what did you do? What did you do? He said, I begin to tell them the old, old stories. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. We don't pray for more faith. We don't worship for more faith. We read the Bible for more faith. The church was revived. The heartbeat came back to the church when they began to remember the faithfulness of what God had done. We can never forget the history that Jesus has with the church. We can never forget the history that God has with us in his faithfulness over our marriages, over our children, over our dreams, over our health, over our finances. He is a good father. And he is faithful and he is just. The Bible says, let every man be a liar, but let the word of God be true. The heavens and the earth and everything that we see will pass away. But that that we cannot see is eternal and will stand forever. The woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years spent all her money, everything that she had. But she said within herself, she heard, she heard in her spirit that Jesus was coming. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. What'd she do? She started preaching to herself. Sometimes you got to preach the promise of God over your life. Sometimes you got to preach the promise of God to the mountain. Amen. You were not made to move mountains. You were not made to carry mountains. You were made to speak to mountains. Sometimes we got to rise up and remember the promise of God with old school faith and speak to that mountain. Speak the promise of God. Speak the prophetical word. Speak the dream. Call those things that are not as though they were. Old school faith. Raw faith is what the church needs. That's what our children need. I don't worry about my children. I have faith for my children because the promise of God says in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. My kids ain't got a choice but to be prophets because the Bible says so. My marriage don't have a choice because the promise of my marriage is what God put together. Let no man put this under. It's the promise of God over our dreams. It's the promise of God over our church. The kingdom of God is not a matter of just speech, but a power in demonstration. Are y'all hungry? Because if y'all don't give me some amens, I'm just going to keep preaching and preaching and preaching. Because I won't know whether you're getting it at all if you don't preach back at me. Abraham had old school faith. The scripture says in verse 17, the middle part of that, in Romans 4, 17 through 22, it says that Abraham believed in the God who brought dead things back to life. Come on, Jesus. He told those there mourning over Jairus' daughter, he said, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. 
I declare this morning that the dream's not dead, that the promise of God's not dead. It may be sleeping, but faith will wake it up. Amen. He believed in a God who brought dead things back to life and who called those things that were not as though they were. Created new things out of nothing, the New Living Translation says. It says that he had hope when there was no reason to have hope. Because he believed in the promise of God. We believe in the Bible. And God made him a promise that he would be the father of many nations. And that's how many descendants that he would have. So that Abraham did not weaken in his faith, although that he was 100 years of age and Sarah's womb was was dead at the age of 90. But rather he grew stronger in his faith. And he did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm fully convinced that God is able to do what he promised. I can stand up here and preach to you and proclaim all this stuff to you. But the burden's not on me. I don't have to come to your house and fulfill it. God will. Because he watches over his word to see that it's fulfilled. There's not a word that comes out of his mouth that he doesn't watch over to see that it's fulfilled. The burden is not yours. The faith is yours. Activate the faith and he'll watch over it. Abraham's the great pioneer of faith. I'm so glad that he had faith. Because it was his faith that activated righteousness and not his works. It was his faith that activated righteousness and not his works. That's, that, that means a lot to me. Because I like to rest. I know you like to rest. That's why you came to the 11 o'clock service. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Yeah. Those people came here this morning. They were trying to wake up before God. But you got it. Righteousness comes by faith, not striving. Amen. A whole nation was birthed and born out of this one man that was as good as dead. It said that he uprooted his whole family. And he moved to a land that he knew nothing of. And lived as a nomad in tents. It said that if if he wanted to, he could have went back to the land that had stability, that had substance. But no, he decided to walk on the water. And go to a land that he knew nothing of. Do you realize that this man died still believing the promise of God? He died still believing the promise of God. That he was going to have a land flown with milk and honey. The Bible goes on to say in the same chapter. That the promise was not fulfilled to all these people. Because he had a greater glory that was waiting for me and you. Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of all promises and all prophecy. And the Bible is the fulfillment in Jesus. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary of China. (laughs) He writes home to his wife after years of being in China. And he said, baby, we've got 25 cents left for the ministry. But all the promises of God. (laughs) Let me say that again. 
You've got 25 cents left to the ministry. But A-L-L, all the promises of God. But you don't know what the doctor says. I've got all the promises of God. But you don't know what the teacher is saying about my children. I've got all the promises of God. But you don't know what the devil's saying about my spouse. I've got all the promises of God. You don't know how long I've been dreaming this dream. How long I've been preaching this message. And the salvation's not taking place. But I've got all the promises of God. You may be broke, but you've got all the promises of God. One of our white hair saints, sweet lady, went to the Sunday night church service. Thank God we've been set free from Sunday night church services. Amen. I could not imagine preaching two times this morning and preaching again tonight. The preacher gets up there and takes up an offering. All she has is twenty dollars. So she starts this dialogue with God and says, God, you know, I don't have no food. And all I have is this $20 and the check doesn't come in the mail until the end of the month. But I'm going to walk by faith. And old school faith put that $20 in the offering because she knew when she got home that God was going to feed her. So she walks in her house with confidence and opens that refrigerator. There's no food in there. She said, that's okay. He put it in the cabinet. She goes over the cabinet and opens the cabinet and there's no food in the cabinet. So like any saint of God would do with old school faith, what'd she do? She took a praise break and she went outside and began to praise. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Oh, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Oh, I Got a feeling everything's going to be all right. It's going to be all right, be all right, be all right. She just starts praising and just worshiping Jesus for the food that's coming in. She's got this neighbor who's an atheist who's over in his backyard and he hears her out there praising and singing and thanking Jesus for providing. So he says, I'll show her. So he goes down to the grocery store and he piles that buggy full of groceries and he takes it and he puts it on her front doorstep and he runs and he hides behind the corner. This old school faith woman opens a door and walks out and says, God did it. God did it. God did it. <laughs> that man runs around the corner and he said, ma'am, God didn't do that. I heard you back there praising God and praying for this food, saying I gave my $20 and I'm walking by faith and blah, blah, blah. And I bought those groceries for you. God didn't do that. Old school faith looks back at that man and says, God did it. God did it. God did it. By this time, he's very furious. And he says, I told you, ma'am, there's no God. And I'm the only one that's providing for you. And God doesn't provide and he's not real. Old school faith even got more bold and said, God did it. God did it. God did it. And may the devil pay for it. That's what old school faith looks like. Old school faith is more aware of what cannot be seen than what can be seen. Listen, church, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. 
We cannot be moved by what our soul says, what our emotions, our intellect, and our wheels, and our circumstances, and our experience say to us and preach to us. We have to be led by the eternal spirit of God on the inside of us. Listen, my soul's going to be judged. My spirit's eternal, and it's going to live forever. Listen to the spirit of God preaching on the inside of you. Don't be moved by what you see, but be moved by what you believe. Know what you believe. Know what the promise of God is over your life. He told Abraham, he said, Abraham, when Abraham and Lot parted ways, he said, Abraham, if you could see it, you could have it. I wish Abraham would have had a helicopter and he could have just claimed it all at that point. Because God said, if you could see it, Abraham, you can have it. Well, that's kind of blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. That's that faith preaching. What else, what else are we going to preach? Of course we preach faith. Parents, is there not a thing that you can name that your kids don't grab? Man, before I can, they're, they're, they're claiming things I haven't even named yet. They're grabbing things I haven't even blabbed yet. Why? Because I'm a good dad. And I want good things for my kids. I want healthy things for my kids. How much more does our Heavenly Father want to give good things to the church? Amen? Don't you think that he wants to make the world jealous so that the world comes in? Let me say that again. Don't you think that he wants to make the world jealous so that they come in and see how good of a father he really is? Listen, he's a good, good father. And he really wants to fulfill the promises of his word to the church. Abraham, if you could see it, son, you can have it. If you can have faith for it, if you can visualize it, you can have it. Call those things that are not as though they were. Listen, Abraham is 100 almost, and Sarah's almost 90. And God comes to Abram at this time and says, I want you to change your name to Abraham. Okay, God, you you want me to call myself father of many nations. And I'm almost a hundred, and we don't even have a puppy dog in our tent. But you want me to go around calling myself Father of Many Nations? Exactly. Oh, and your wife, start calling her Sarah. Uh, no, the God. You ever talk to God like, well, God, you're, you're crazy. Let me explain why you're crazy. That's kind of part of what Abraham was doing at this time. Well, Sarah, Sarah means princess, mother of many nations. You know that, right? Right, God? And, and Sarah's 90 now. And so, you know, the possibilities of her getting pregnant are, are really slim, God. And, and you want us to go around town calling each other father of many nations and mother of many children. And I'm 100, she's 90, and, and we don't have any kids. Exactly. Call those things that are not as though they were, Abraham. So Sarah's in there making dinner, and she shouts out through the valley, Father of many nations, dinner's ready. 
Okay, I'm coming, mother of many children, princess. They were calling things that were not as though they were. How long did Abraham call things that were not as though they were? For 25 years. For 25 years, he carried the promise of God, but never grew weary or weakened in his faith because he was fully convinced that God was able. God is able. Daniel prayed three times and they went to throw him in the lion's den. And the king said in the morning, hey, Daniel, you're still there? Daniel said, oh, don't let your heart be troubled, O king. My God is able. They took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they wouldn't bow down and deny the promise of God and deny that he was God and threw him in the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, my God is able. And he became the fourth man in the fire. In the time where Jezebel was killing all the prophets, Elijah said, you get your prophets in. And we'll meet up there on Mount Carmel and we'll pray. And whoever's God sends fired out from heaven is the God. They cup themselves. They dance around and they stand out there all day praying for fire to fall and nothing happens. Elijah steps up to the plate. He says, put the wood on there, drench it with water, looks up to heaven and says, show that you're God. And the fire from God falls on the altar, consumes the altar. Our God is able to fulfill the promises. He is still the God of the Old Testament. And he's still the God of the New Testament. And he's the God of this church. He's the God of your family. He's the God of Longview. He's the God of Texas. He's the God of this nation. He's the God of this world. And his promises are yes and amen. And the blood is still speaking a better word. Call those things that are not as though they were. I've been calling things that are not as they were my whole life. I know what it's like to call things that are not as they were and the circumstance not change. I know what it's like to keep getting no's and no's and no's over and over and over. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. That's why we're not dictated by our surroundings, but the word of God dictates us. Jesus was not dictated by his surroundings on his way to the cross, but it said that he set his face like flint. He set his body like flint, like stone, and he submitted himself to the, to the, um, to the trials and the tribulations that the world threw at him. Why? Because there was a better promise that was waiting for me and waiting for you. All I've ever wanted to do is preach and serve Jesus and love people. That's all I've ever wanted to do. I was in my mama's belly and my grandpa prayed, God, give me a preacher. From the top, from the, as long back as, as I can remember, I'd put his tie on and I'd grab his Bible and I'd preach, gee, walk on the water. Gee, walk on the water. I used to be real legalistic, so I'd tell people they were going to hell if they were smoking. But thank God I got grace. They couldn't understand me because I was only four or five. 
was in a laundromat, and the woman's like, what's he saying? My mom's like, oh, just ignore him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's like, some people are going to hell because they smoke. Don't say that to people. So my first day of school, the teacher calls this emergency meeting with my mom and says, listen, Miss Scout, um, your son can't talk. And like any good mom, she looked back at the teacher and said, no, you just can't hear very well. She said, his speech problem is so bad that if he goes through speech therapy his whole life and all through school, maybe by the time he graduates, he could tell someone his name and his address and them actually be able to understand what he's saying. My mom walks out of that meeting and says, that's not the promise of God. And she began to call those things that are not as though they were. And I went through one year of speech therapy and God healed me. Amen. Amen. To the glory of God. I get to my third grade um, year. They call another emergency meeting. And like, Miss Gal, your boy's not like all the other kids. He doesn't learn like them. He doesn't spell like them. He doesn't read like them. He doesn't, his brain just doesn't function when it comes to books and learning. We've ran a bunch of tests on your son, and we believe that your son is mentally retarded, and we can get you a check. My mom takes the paperwork, goes out, gets in her car, begins a ball, and says, God, this is not your promise. And what does she do? She begins to call those things that are not as though they were. She begins to prophesy life into what the deadness of the teachers were talking about. She calls him back and says, listen, my boy's not mentally retarded. You're not putting that tag on him. I don't care what you got to do, but you ain't going to treat him that way. So I go all the way through school. I get my senior year, resource, content mastery, whatever, you, everything but mentally retarded. I graduated high school on a third grade reading level, a fourth grade spelling level. But all I wanted to do was preach. And so I just learned to read my Bible and been preaching ever since then. Calling those things that are not as though they were. At 32, God says, I want you to go to Bible school. And I say, okay, God, but you know about this reading and spelling thing, you know. College is college is college. So I get my high school transcript. I turn it into Christ for the nations. And I'm like, well, they're not going to accept this because I'm pretty sure that high school transcript is supposed to have a lot of information with about two or three pages. And all mine has is my name and my address on it. So they're going to think, well, hey, your school forgot to fill this out. So I get accepted. And the, the whole first year, I'm so stressed. I go home, grown man, 32 years old, and I'm just bawling like a baby. I'm like, baby, I can't even take notes because I don't know how to spell the words that the professor is actually speaking. She said, baby, we're going to call those things that are not as though they were. And we just kept calling things that were not as though they were. After a year, my last year, they asked me to be the student body president. I'm like, I'll be the student body president, but hey, um, I don't read and write real well. That's okay. Call those things that are not as though they were. 
I graduate and for graduation, they're like, hey, we want you to speak to all the graduation students and to all their family and visitors. The place will be packed to be like, you know, 2000 people there. I'm like, well, OK, I can do that, but I'm not the most educated. That's OK. Call those things that are not as though they were. And then after six months, they asked me to come back to the college and be the assistant dean of men. I'm like, well, okay, I can do that. I'm not real good with emails, but I'm calling those things that are not as though they were. <laughs> and then after being there a year, they approach me and they say, hey, we want you to be a professor. I'm like, did you see my high school um, the, you know, transcript? That's okay, we want you to be a professor. We're going to call those things that are not as though they were. And then this past May, they approach me and they say, hey, we don't want you to be the assistant dean of men. We want you to be the dean of men. Call those things that are not as though they were. I understand having to walk by faith. I understand the circumstance, the surrounding, and life not adding up with the promise of God. But keep calling things that are not as though they were. Sometimes we got to walk by faith and just get our feet a little wet. Familiarity is one one of the number one things that kills faith. This this can't just become the Bible, just a book. This is the heartbeat of God. He He can't just become the God that created the heavens and the earth. No, he has to be the God that, oh my goodness, created the heavens and the earth. Can you believe this? This is amazing. Well, he's just the God, you know, with the blinded eyes. Oh my goodness. When's the last time you opened blinded eyes? Oh, it's just church. No, it's not. It's the authority and the wisdom of God displayed on the earth. That's what it is. It's the heartbeat, the breath, the ambassadors, the message of reconciliation. We're not just a gathering. Don't become familiar with this this Bible, with the message with the preaching of the gospel, with Jesus Christ in his blood. This speaks a better word. The cross is not familiar. No one's ever done it. Resurrection's not familiar. Three days later, getting up is not familiar. Let it shock you. Let it awe you. And let it cause you to live in wonder. It's the Bible. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the baptism of fire in the spirit. Woo! Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he's the hope of the nations. Can a nation be saved in a day? By faith in Jesus, he can. We've served Jesus burgers because we believe in the Bible. We preach the gospel because we believe in the Bible. We come to church on Sunday morning because we believe in the Bible. We believe in restoration. We believe that God puts marriages back together. We believe that those sons and daughters are going to come back like prodigals. 
We believe that the dream's going to be fulfilled. We believe on 259, God's going to give us a building. God's going to give us a healing room. God's going to give us a place to reach the lost and feed the hungry. We believe. We believe in Jesus. We believe that greater things are yet to be done. We believe what eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and what has not entered the mind of man. We believe that when the devil comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. We believe that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. We believe that we're more than a conqueror through and in Jesus Christ. We believe he's a good shepherd. We believe that he will go with us through the valley of the shadow of death. We believe he'll never leave us and never forsake us. We believe the Bible. We believe the Bible. We believe it's the everlasting word of God. We believe it's alive. We believe Jesus. Woo. Call those things that are not in your life as though they were. I'm not a cheerleader. I'm persuaded. I've been baptized with the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized with Jesus. I've been baptized with life. We live the abundant life. We're not a subject or a puppet to the devil where he comes and steals, kills, and destroys. We stand with dominion, power, and authority through the word of God and faith in Jesus. What is it in your life? What is it in your home? What is it in your family? What do you need to call that's not as though it was? Because today is the day that faith is activated and faith releases the open heaven. I'm not waiting for the kingdom and will of God to come to earth. Jesus fulfilled it when he said, it is finished. And three days later, he got up. And what did he do at that time? He opened the heavens. And now I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And we are citizens of heaven. Yes, Jesus. Call those things that are not as though they were. Hope, when there's no reason to have hope. The natural law gave him no hope. The deadness of his body and Sarah's womb, there was no hope in that. There was no peace in that. There was no comfort in that. But the spiritual law just completely ignored the natural law. I love it when the Bible just completely ignores my excuses. Satan came for the bones of Moses. The angel stood there and said, you know what? I'm not even going to jack with you. But Satan, the Lord rebuketh you. Let Jesus Christ rebuke your excuses. Amen. Let Jesus Christ rebuke the lies. We don't agree with the lies. We agree with the Bible. We agree with Jesus. The supernatural law said, I don't agree with the natural law. You're going to have a baby, Sarah. You're going to have a baby, Sarah. And that baby's name is going to be Isaac. And his name's going to mean laughter. And I'm going to restore laughter to the promises and the dreams that I put inside of you. The Spirit of God this morning is here to restore laughter and here to restore joy to the dream and the vision and the promise of God that he put on the inside of you. 
Some of you have lost joy. You've lost laughter. You're holding on to this promise. And you said, God, it's been five years. It's been ten years. It's been five hours. And I'm ready for something to come to pass. God's come to restore joy and laughter to the promise today. Amen. Hope. Can I get some music, Jennifer? Jesus, Jesus. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of righteousness. Proverbs 13. You know what I love about that scripture? Is that there's a comma there instead of a period. Stop putting a period where God's putting a comma because God's not done right in the story. I understand we go through seasons where our heart gets sick and we're holding on to promises. But that's not the end of the story. There's a comma and there's a but there. But God. But God. A dream fulfilled is a tree of righteousness. There's hope. Abraham's hope, Abraham's faith was louder than his circumstance, was louder than his body. He went on to say in the last verse, verse 22, it says that Abraham was fully confident. Preacher stands up and he preaches Mark eleven twenty two through 24. Have faith in God. Whosoever should say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. And they don't doubt in their heart, but they truly believe in their heart. That they say they can have, then they can have whatever they say. For whatever you desire for when you pray, believe you shall receive it. Have faith you shall receive it. And you shall have it. That's the Bible. After the preacher preaches, the church is empty. This young lady walks up to him, tear-stained face. She says, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. He said, ma'am, what, what is it that you have? She said, I have faith. She said, I'm not going to preach to God and tell God anymore how big my mountain is. But from this moment on, I'm going to preach to my mountain of how big my God is. She was fully confident from that moment on that faith was going to move the hand of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, you move God. He's faithful church and he's true. And listen, he watches over his word to see that it's fulfilled. This woman had four miscarriages. The doctor told her, ma'am, if you keep on trying, you'll kill the baby and you're possibly going to kill yourself. But something rose up in her spirit that day and said, that's a promise that I haven't been holding on to. She went home and told her husband, said, we're going to have a baby. Oh, baby, what about what the doctor said? She said, there's no faith. There's no fear in faith. Fear looks, but faith jumps. Faith may have to get its feet a little wet, but I I believe the water's going to part. Walk it out. Walk it out. Walk out by faith. Get out of the boat. A year later, she walks in with a baby girl that looks just like her. Second year walks in with a second baby girl looks just like her. Third year walks in with a baby girl that looks just like her. Fourth year, fourth baby girl looks just like her. 
In the fifth year, she walks in with a baby boy that looks just like her. Five years earlier, the doctor said, don't you try it, you'll die. But five years earlier, the seed of faith was birthed on the inside of her that said, you know what? I believe the promise of God or yes and amen. She was fully confident and stood on the word of God. Listen, our confidence is in Jesus. In Jesus alone. I agree with Jesus. You agree with Jesus. That's why you're here this morning. We don't agree with the lies. We agree with the Bible. We agree with the promises. Stand with me this morning. Let me read something. I'm going to stir your faith with this. The Bible says he's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of heaven. And he's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizons of this world. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastlines of his surest supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's eternally steadfast. He's the only one qualified to be the all-sufficient Savior. He's God's son. He's a sinner savior. He stands alone in himself. He's the only one with the power to put split history in two categories, B.C. and A.D. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine in all true theology. He's the miracle of the ages. He supplies strength to the weak. He's available to the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He forgives the sinner. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leopard. He makes the blind to see. The opens the deaf ears. And he brings dead things back to life. That's our king. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the ages and he rewards the um, diligent. He's beautiful to the meek. I wonder, do you know him this morning? He's the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doctrine of deliverance. He's the doorway and the pathway to peace. He's the roadway of righteousness and the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the might. He's the head of the heroes. He's the governor of governor. He's the prince of peace. He's the king of kings and he's the lord of lords. His promises are sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteousness. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. The heavens of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explain him. 
You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. There was no one before him and there'll be no one after him. You can't impeach him and he's not going to resign. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find fault in him and Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him and the grave could not hold him. That is our faith. That is is our king. This is why we have faith. This is why missionaries are giving up their life and laying it down because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why our marriages will last. This is why our marriages will not be a statistic. This is why our children will rise up and call us blessed. This is why there will be a church after this generation if the Lord tarries is coming. This is our faith. This is what we believe the pathway. He's a God of this city. He's a God of your home and we believe in him. Amen. If you could close your eyes with me and bow your heads. I'm going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost, I pray that you would move through this, this church right now, through these lives, through these seats, and that you would awaken every promise, every sleeping promise awaken now. I pray that faith, deep, deep faith, and you, God, and you, Jesus, and you, Holy Ghost, and the living word would be stirred in this church, stirred in your children today to go and do great exploits for the kingdom. There's no stopping us. There's no denying us. We will not be silenced. We will not be shut down. Jesus, arise and let your enemies be scattered. Jesus, arise. And that negativity, deception, circumstances and storms be scattered. We speak peace that passes all understanding. We bless you today and we receive the gift of faith to be activated. And everyone said, amen. Give God a hand clap of praise today.